And welcome oh. Monday edition of Jocks and Locks with Dewey and Rhino. Rhino, how was your weekend, buddy? Uh, probably, probably a little better than yours, Dewey. Are you a little sore after that beating you took on Saturday? Uh, not really sure what you're referring to, but um, you can you can say what you want. Uh, you know, could you elaborate a little bit farther on that? I don't know. Just just a couple of your picks. What what wasn't too good. And also saying that I was wrong. You know, it hurts a little bit. Well. I've been wrong before, and I sure as hell will be wrong again, but uh, you were right. You hmm. were right on the, on the Duke-Virginia game, um, and, uh, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. So, congrats to you on that, and uh, today's a new day. We'll have a couple more picks for our listeners, and uh, we're going to jump right in. Uh, first of all, we have... Uh, couple sponsors tonight uh, mm. the one that keeps coming back uh, Reliance Propane Gas Company serving the Northwest Ohio area for over 80 years Reliance Propane Gas you can rely on us and also Diamond Grind Athletics elite catching instruction specializing in explosive movements agility and mobility check them out on Instagram at Athletics underscore and with that, we're going to recap a little bit what happened in the weekend in sports. Lots of things happened across the landscape this weekend. Uh, some breaking news today uh, in the NFL uh, with Kareem Hunt and Kyler Murray. We're going to get to that in just a bit. Uh, but first, you know, as we talked about at the top of the show as we came on, uh, Duke did show its talent this weekend on the road uh, against a hungry Virginia team. Uh, that I think, you know, I think the country knows how good that team is. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Duke's talent did take over in that game. And as Ryan's alluded to on Friday, uh, he thought that the talent would supersede uh, anything that Virginia could throw at him. And that was the case. The game really wasn't that close. Ended with a 10-point victory for, uh, for the Blue Devils. But I do think... There is some question marks leading into the tournament with the Blue Devils uh, regarding consistency. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, they they shot extremely well from beyond the arc uh, against a, uh, a Virginia team who I didn't think played that particularly well, but got out of there, you know, but do got out of there alive and played really well. So um, we'll get to a few stats in a second. But, Ryan, what do you think about that game? Well, I thought I thought it was interesting. I think Duke definitely showed, um, obviously, a better performance from shooting the ball. Uh, I think uh, Tony Bennett had a good game plan going into it, with uh, forcing Duke to essentially say, "We got you, you guys are going to have to shoot the ball to win." And you know, Duke answered the call, and and they shot the ball well. Um, and, and and I do agree with you. I think there's going to be some question marks going forward, especially when we get into the tournament they're not going to shoot like that every game. So what happens when they shoot 25% from three, 30% from three in a game? What are they going to go to when they're playing better teams like Virginia, uh, uh, teams in that similar stature? Um, but I, I was impressed. Uh, the young guys weren't phased at all, and they, they played well. And like I said, they, they really shot the ball well, which is an area that they had been struggling all year. Yeah, I mean, they doubled up the percentage uh, for the season uh, on Saturday night. They shot 13 at 21 from the field or from, from three-point range. Uh, their season average uh, after that game, so it was even lower. So their season average uh, currently is 30.8% from three-point range, which is thir- 317th out of 351 Division A programs. And uh, so, they, you know, they outshot what their – they played over their skis from beyond the arc. There's there's really no denying that. And, you know, they are 271st out of 351 uh, from the free throw line at only 67%. So, you know, down the stretch, as I said before, this team reminds me of the Memphis team that Calipari had with Derrick Rose. And the talent is not the question. The fact of the matter is, is can these young kids buckle up in tight spots and – 
uh, make, you know, key shots and not have a, a big letdown game because, you know, the target's on their back. Everybody's going to want to beat the Duke Blue Devils. They know they're the best, most talented team in the country, and so they just have to show up every single night. So kudos to Duke for going to going to Virginia and winning that game on Saturday night. Uh, it was an impressive showing, and I'll tell you what, Zion Williamson still amazes me every time he goes out on the floor. I'll tell you what, there's a reason that these teams are trying to tank uh, to get this guy. He's an athletic specimen. He's a freak, and, and he's just fun to watch flat out. So uh Fun, fun team to watch in Duke. I'm excited for the tournament. I'm excited what what, what they can do, but just buyer beware uh, when the, when the brackets come out. I would I would be I would be hesitant to take them all the way to the finals because I just feel like there's going to be a hiccup game somewhere along the line. Uh, the one other thing I want to mention about Duke that I think uh, to Coach Shevsky and what he's what he preaches and what he does. I think obviously uh, what he's done. In college basketball speaks for itself, record-wise, and what he's done, uh, you know, putting putting these guys to the next level. But this team has bought in defensively, and hard first and foremost for ultra-talented offensive players in college to buy in. But it's even too when they're freshmen, and you know he's got a couple special ones, and they really have bought in the defensive end, and that's mm-hmm. one thing that they have going in their favor uh, going into March is that they're going to lock down defensively. And if they can, that defense is going to turn into offense for them. And maybe the free throws and the three-point shooting isn't going to matter. And their talent is going to be that good because of the way they play defensively. So that's one thing to think about as well. i uh, love to hear your thoughts, uh, all our listeners out there. Uh, we just keep rolling right along, uh, adding new listeners every day. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Rhino and I. Uh, We love doing this, so just keep coming back for more. Um, But also, too, uh, we have a couple of their games over the weekend that we wanted to touch base on, a couple of big teams uh, that had some turnaround performances. Ryan, what do you think about a couple of those games? Well, I I definitely loved uh, uh, Michigan coming out there and, you know, putting it on Wisconsin. It was close. The score didn't really indicate how close it was, but, they really came alive, especially at the end. Uh, defensively, came up strong. And, and again, they're going to be a dangerous team in the tournament. Like we've mentioned in, in previous episodes, Beeline has those guys ready. Um, the development of those guys, it's, it's quite incredible. Um, so that was a big, big home win against Wisconsin. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, I thought Michigan uh, got the revenge game back that they, they so desperately wanted and needed. Took care of Wisconsin. Wisconsin came in playing good basketball. Ethan Haps, uh, you know, in the running to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. And, you know, they were able to, you know, he got some of his, but Charles Matthews got back on track. And, you know, I think Michigan's just a well-oiled machine. I I think they're the the Virginia of the Big Ten. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And, you know, they're just a, a fun team to watch. So I thought they did a really nice job. I thought Michigan State also was able to get back on track as well. Went in by about 24 against Minnesota. You know, Nick Ward was kind of in Coach Izzo's doghouse. Last few games, didn't actually start him the previous game. Uh, but he got back on track, scored 22 points, uh, had a good game. And, and just, you know, they, they kind of solidified themselves again. They always do. Uh, you know, you never can never count out Michigan State. And, uh, you know, so they had a, they had a quality performance. Uh, Marquette got a big victory at home. What do you think about that game, Ryan? Well, I'm just going to say I was right again on that one. I know you were going the other way, but I uh, don't want to rub rub it in too much. But, no, that, that, that was a solid win. Um, obviously, Villanova is a very good team, and that, that, that I think, kind of shows you that Marquette's kind of legit. You know, they're, they're, they're there, um, and getting that W is definitely going to propel them forward. Yeah, they, they made a mark this weekend. Uh, I thought a Villanova team coming in hot uh, is – is one of the hotter teams in the country, and Marquette got a signature win they needed. Uh, you know, I think we're going to indulge in uh, the top 16 seeds that the NCAA uh, selection committee had going into Saturday's games, and we know a lot of those teams, I shouldn't say a lot, but a quarter of those teams lost on Saturday. So Rhino and I are going to divulge in our uh, our top 16. We have a, a few, few differences, but I think – 
around the same idea and, and principle of who we think the top 16, 16 teams are in the country right now. Uh, speaking of that, I think one team that we don't talk about enough and the reason they just get kind of thrown to the wayside is because they're out in Spokane, Washington, is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And I'll tell you what, Rhino, that team keeps on rolling. And, and they have... And I, I wouldn't even say they're rolling. They are just... Uh, it's like the other team's not even showing up. It's unbelievable how well they're playing. Yeah, my thing is, you know, there, there's certain things in sports and in competition. If you win a certain amount of games in a row or you... Uh, your margin of victory is so large over a, a, a long span. To me, I don't care if you're playing tiddlywinks, if you're playing battleship, if you're playing college basketball. To me, and I don't care who you're playing against, it's it's something to talk about. And Gonzaga, after they have after they lost uh, back-to-back games to Tennessee and North Carolina, they have won 14 straight by an average margin of victory of 32 points. Hmm. So they're spotting, idealistically, a team 32 points and clearing that spot on average in 14 straight games. It's incredible. I mean, Mark Few, you know, has, has taken that program to become a blue blood in the country. There's no doubt it's a top 10 program in the country, and I could be, I could be a little low on that. You know, he has... Hasn't jumped for another job. He just keeps building at Gonzaga. And, you know, you don't even think about them as a as a mid-major team. They're a Power 5 team in a, non, in a non-Power 5 conference. But I'll tell you what, Gonzaga just keeps on rolling teams. And they're going to be fun to watch in March. And I would not want to see them anytime soon. Completely agree. It's, it's I mean, it, like you had mentioned about the whole just the sports aspect. If you're doing that, I don't care who you're playing. That's that's a phenomenal feat, and they'll be there at the end. I have a I have a strong feeling about that. Also, uh, Friday we put out a trivia question for everybody. Uh, didn't get any, didn't get much feedback on on Instagram or through email, but uh, wanted to kind of give you those answers uh, to the trivia question regarding Bartolo Colon and his longevity in the big leagues and. You know, he's had 24 starts uh, over a over 20 years apart, and we were looking to see how many other pitchers in MLB history had 24-plus starts over 20 or more years apart. And so there was actually seven others, seven others in history that have done that. One was Jamie Moyer from 1987, and then in 2009 he did it again. Uh, early win, not – not too familiar with early. Uh, I'm sure he was a, a great arm, but not too familiar with him. 1942 to 1962. That's a little before our time. Yeah, just a few years, but God bless you early. Uh, the next guy you might might know, Tommy John. I wonder what happened to him. 1965 and 1988. Maybe he threw a couple too many pitches. Don Sutton, 1966 and 1987. Uh, Burt Blylevin, 1970 and 1992. And the last two are pretty pretty recognizable. Mr. Nolan Ryan, 1971 and 1992. And Hall of Famer as well, uh, Atlanta Brave, Greg Maddox, 1987 and 2008. I think that was a pretty cool statistic. Uh, you know, it just shows that you know, as long, some guys play a long time, but it's just hard. It's very hard to start a handful of games 20 years apart. I mean, a 24-start season is almost three-quarters of a full, a full, full pitcher's load, and to do it over a 20-year span is pretty incredible, don't you think, Rhino? Oh, 100%. Uh, that's definitely... I mean, you just read the list. There's not too many of them. Um, it really is impressive. 20 years is a long time. I mean, that, that's if I'm thinking about 20 years, you know, I'm thinking about where I was 20 years ago. You know, I probably couldn't even walk 20 years ago, to be honest with you. Um, so that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive to, to be able to 
sustain a career that long to even get the opportunity to do that and then do that on top of it, it is quite incredible. Yeah, uh, it, it's, an, it's just a testament to guys perfecting their craft and to keep continually working and and just getting out of bed every single day, aches, pains and such, and just keep running themselves out there to perform for their teammates. So that's a, that's a heck of a list and a lot of good arms on that list. Uh, also want to mention tonight and tomorrow night, we've got one of my favorite favorite shows on television all you dog lovers out there the Westminster Dog Show Kennel Club Dog Show live from Madison Square Garden will be on tonight I believe on USA I cannot wait for this event every year it's it's always uh, a pleasure for me to watch all the different dogs all the different breeds what they're bred for I believe Rhino's dog was excited on Friday night for it. Couldn't control himself and decided to bust into our podcast. I can't blame him. Hey, uh, hey, he was, he was pumped. It's an exciting time of the year. He heard about the speed and agility competition at Westminster, and I think his little pup wanted to join in. So uh, everybody tune in tonight. Watch the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Beautiful dogs. And uh, the best of it, best of every breed. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there. And lastly, before we get into the meat of our show, I kind of want to talk about the circus that surrounds the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm going to kind of bring in a few avenues here and kind of group it all into one, one uh, under, under one, I guess, circus tent. But if you look across that roster and, and, and that coaching staff, you just have a hodgepodge of things going on that you really can't find any place else in professional sports. You know, you've got Luke ever, Walton. Ever, ever, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, you have Luke Walton, the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. His father, as many may know, uh, Hall of Famer Bill Walton, uh, was caught on Saturday – on camera eating a cupcake with a lit candle uh, still lit and bit into it uh, I don't think Dave Pash his, his play-by-play guy was really expecting it and we're still trying to figure out what type of uh, what Bill Walton was you know I, may or I, may not have been on and it, this isn't just a one-time act this guy is a little bit rough around the edges when it comes to analyzing games and uh, on the broadcast. So that's, that to me is just, I think ESPN probably needs to cut ties with Bill uh, and just kind of let him fade away into the sunset. I, I think I've kind of seen enough of Bill and maybe that's why they put him on the late game. So they hope nobody has to listen to him, but you know, stuff like this, when you're eating cupcakes with uh, lit candles on top, I mean, how are you not going to stay out of the, out of the limelight? I mean, Bill, clean it up. Just clean yeah, it up, Bill. It, it, yeah, it's it. You know, I, I literally had to watch it a hundred times to finally realize that it actually happened. I mean, I'm sitting there going, "That that that." I didn't I didn't just see what I just saw, and it's unbelievable. I mean, it's almost to a point where it's like, how does he have a job, and how does ESPN put up with it? Well, ESPN just cut the best. Sports show uh, possibly ever created in baseball tonight. So anything they do now is they're really kind of just dead to me. Uh, they also have Lonzo Ball's father, Lavar Ball, who's a uh, I don't even know what he is. A terrible shooter, right? Says his son Lonzo is a better basketball player than LeBron James. Uh, on first, uh, excuse me, on undisputed with Skip and Shannon, it, can can somebody just? Uh, why do we just keep giving this guy airtime? It's just like Bill Walton. Why don't we just get rid of both of these guys, and both of the careers of their of their kin will probably be a hell of a lot better. I mean, it's like it, it's interesting because it's like I, I I love the confidence in your son, but man, somebody's got to slap that guy back into reality. I mean, let's go. That's unbelievable. 
Also on top of that, LeBron, a LeBron or a team with LeBron on it gives up 142 on the road to the Philadelphia 76ers uh, on Sunday. And there's no defense. No defense. None I saw whatsoever. More, I saw more dunks in that game than I uh, maybe in my life. I saw Embiid go uh, 94 feet, and there wasn't a Laker. There wasn't a Laker jersey within about uh, you know four feet of him. So it, it's just a culmination of things, and it's just kind of it's just kind of sad that this this circus act just keeps just keeps. Going on, and, and, and nobody has really done anything about it. I, I just, the Lakers to me are searching for an identity, and I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think Magic Johnson does either. I think they're searching for things, and they just keep trying to do things that they hope work. But after they landed LeBron, I think they probably were believing that he was going to be able to turn everything around and make everything better. And the fact of the matter is there's too many teams out there that are getting better each and every year. And LeBron James is aging, as we all know, and he's not the same guy he was five years ago. He showed us glimpses of it last year in the playoffs. He carried another team to the finals. But let's not fool each other, people. The East was not that strong last year. He masked a lot of the deficiencies, but they didn't have the turmoil that this team has and all the outside distractions. It was all in, it was all internal with LeBron, but he was able to cultivate that team and that franchise. And to be quite honest with you, Cleveland was desperate, and they did anything LeBron said. Now you've got people in L.A. chirping back and forth. There's disloyalty. There's other things going on. I just don't see this working out well for LeBron. And I don't know what he's going to bring to L.A., but it sure as hell, looking at it, looking at it right now, probably isn't going to be a championship. I, I, I can definitely get on board with that. It's, it's really out of control. And I just don't understand how you can have that much going on. I mean, we just talked about it for five minutes here a circus act literally and how you have so many different things going on that are just and, and and honestly too all the outside noise whatever just go watch a game i mean they look they just look terrible it looks like a street ball game there's no team chemistry um you know for some reason watching the game the sixers game the other day i i was a little confused as to why lebron just wasn't you know, just taking over the game himself and just going and trying to do things. I, I love the idea of him trying to dish the ball out, but it's like, you know, all right, Kuzma goes off. Okay, fine. Ingram. But just as a team in general, it's it's just not good. And, and defensively, I don't even want to talk about defensively. They are, they are awful. I mean, atrocious. Dude, I think both me and you could probably score a couple points on that. Yeah, it's, it's just not a good situation right now in L.A., and I don't see it changing anytime soon. So don't expect to uh, look at the standings in the near future and see them uh, moving up because I just don't see I don't see that team doing much of anything the remainder of the year. All right, we're going to get into Hoop and Scoop, uh, one of our signature uh, sections, and we're just going to dive a little bit into what the NCAA uh, committee uh, put out on Saturday with their top 16 seeds across their four regions, the East in Washington, D.C., the South in Louisville, the Midwest in Kansas City, and the West out in Anaheim. And I thought they did an okay job, especially since a quarter of these teams uh, got beat on Saturday. But uh, I just want to kind of touch on, the, on, on their selections, and then Rhino and I will kind of give you what we, what we see on, you know, now Monday, but there was some fluctuation, and uh, let's get right into it. The East Regional uh, had Duke as the one, Michigan as the two, Marquette as the three, and Iowa State as the four. 
Uh, didn't really mind that region. I, I'm not I'm not so high on Iowa State. I was going into the weekend, but they laid an egg at home against a TCU team who've been reeling lately, and I just really didn't see uh, you know Iowa State after that game uh, deservedly to be in uh, the top 16. So they'll actually be out of my top 16. Uh, in the uh, in the South Regional. Uh, we have Tennessee as the one, North Carolina is the two, Purdue is the three, and Nevada is the four. I think this is where uh, Rhino and I had our biggest discrepancy. I think nobody's really given Nevada much of a, much credit at all. I, I think a four, te- a four seed to them is a slap in the face. Uh, I think I think they're the talent of a two seed. Uh, they were a, they were an elite eight team last year. Brought almost everybody back. Added two graduate seniors from Old Dominion and Southern Illinois. I really like that basketball team. Uh, you, you know, you, you put Purdue on the three line, who's played well as of late. It has six losses, a couple ugly ones. I'm just not on. I'm just not on board with putting Purdue over Nevada. And to me, UNC, yeah, I, I like them, but you know, they struggled mightily against Miami of Florida over the weekend at home, and uh, they got a tough game tonight. <laughs> Against the Virginia team, who's going to be uh, pissed off that they got they got beat at home against Duke. So I really like Nevada to slide up into the two. What are your thoughts on those on those two uh, regionals, Rhino? And what do you have? So I, you know, I, the East region I can get on board with. The only, uh, I mean, I, I guess the thing is here as far as the regions that you know it matters, but the teams themselves. You know, we, we pretty much have similar teams. There's just a couple that we've swapped out. Uh, for instance, my East Regional, I have Duke as the one, Michigan as the two, like they had it. And then I have Houston at the three, Villanova at the four. Um, they mentioned uh, both those teams later. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still think Villanova is going to be there. Um, they're still probably a top team. Uh, I like them kind of just being there at the end and, and making a little run. So I think a four seed for them is good. I think Houston, Houston, you know, we discussed them a little bit last show. If they're playing well as they've been, they could be dangerous in the tournament for sure. Um, and then with the South region, I had Tennessee at one. Like you mentioned, I have Nevada as a two. Um, they're just, they're too good of a team not to be up there. Uh, the record shows it. So I don't know what the, what the committee's thinking, having them as a four. And then I have UNC at three. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, when you struggle mightily against Miami, um, you know, it kind of raises some eyebrows. So tonight will be a good test for them, like you had mentioned. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they still there's still some question marks for me around them. And then I have Wisconsin at four. I think Ethan Happ's one of the best players in the country. And if they can get some production around him, uh, Wisconsin definitely can can be solid up in the tournament. Yeah, I do not have Wisconsin in my top 16. I disagree with you there. Uh, they're, on, they're on the fringe. They're on the outside looking into me. Uh, I know they. I know it probably didn't look good. If they beat Michigan on Saturday, they're probably in. They lost. I had them out. Uh, in my East Regional, I have Duke, Michigan, Marquette, and then actually I have the Florida State Seminoles sleep sneaking into the four spot. Uh, I think that team, as I said last week, they had a they had that shocking loss at home against Duke, gut wrenching loss, and then then they had to go to Pitt on uh, I believe two days rest and fly up to Pitt to play them. Got got beat up there, and all of a sudden they went from a team that was a top ten. Uh, well, I think I believe they're ranked. 11 going into that Duke game, fell out of the top 25, and everybody kind of wrote them off. And all of a sudden, they've started to move back up the rankings, uh, 18 and 5 right now, and they're starting to gain some momentum. And I'm telling you what, Leonard Hamilton is no stranger to the tournament. I love the Florida State Seminoles. I think they're a team to watch out for as we get closer to March. Uh, in my South Regional, I have Tennessee. Uh, I do have the Nevada Wolfpack at two. I have North Carolina three, and I also have Villanova sneaking into the four so let's go back to the other two regions and see what the committee did uh, in the midwest regional in kansas city they had uva the uh, virginia cavaliers at the as a one seed the kentucky wildcats is the two 
the Houston Cougars as the three and the Wisconsin Badgers as the four. I think that region is absolutely jam loaded. Uh, you hmm. can make an argument in that, in my, in, in my estimation, you've got two number one seeds talent wise in, in UVA and Kentucky. And I think actually in my West regional, I have Houston as a two. I just think Calvin Sampson gets those guys to play about as hard as anybody in the country. Uh, they run through a brick wall through that guy. I love the way he operates. I love the way he's brought that program back to fruition. And after leaving Oklahoma, he's found he's, he's able to get back on his two feet again, and he's built that program the way it should be built. The Houston Cougars are a fun, fun team to watch play basketball. Watched them yesterday against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati gave them every ounce that they wanted. But I'll tell you what, they, they were up to the challenge yesterday, beat Cincinnati, separated themselves in that conference, and I'll tell you what, I would not want to see that team in March. So, uh, and then in the West Regional, uh, the committee had Gonzaga, Michigan State is the two, Kansas is the three, and Louisville is the four. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, Louisville got beat in the tough game against the uh, Florida State Seminoles, who I had as a, uh, as a four seed in the East. And, uh, you know, I think Louisville is, is hovering right around the four, five, six area. I think they're going to be there at the end. Just a matter of where they slide in, but I had to put Florida State in over them. Uh, Rhino, what'd you have for the Midwest and the West regionals? So the Midwest, you know, this is, you know, we're tossing hairs here between Kentucky, Virginia. I had Kentucky one, Virginia two. That's just how I think it's going to end up at the end of the year. But you can interchange, you can interchange those. Uh, there's no argument about that. Uh, Michigan State is a three, and then I have Kansas as a four. Uh, they, they concern me a little bit. Uh, still a question mark on them. Uh, but we'll see what happens with them. And then as far as the West goes, I got Gonzaga one, which is a no-brainer. I have Marquette as a two, Purdue as a three, and then this was kind of my last spot, so basically the 16th seed here for me. You know, I was talking to, talking to Dewey earlier, and I had Texas Tech in there, and I just started looking, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm on them. I have Iowa, but again, you know, which they've been playing well, and they had a phenomenal comeback win. But, you know, if Northwestern just plays, you know, below average even, they, they, they finish that win. So they're a little question mark. So I, I'm just going to throw Iowa in there as the four. Um, I think they'll continue to get some Ws down the stretch here, and they'll play themselves into that four seed. Yeah, Iowa to me is a team that, keeps on playing with fire and I think they're going to get burned at some point. Uh, Fran McCaffrey is a wild ombre on the sidelines. Uh, he's able to, I think those guys play almost in fear of that guy. That's just from the outside looking in. He is a, he's a quality coach, but is uh, very animated on the sidelines. I, I, I like him. I just don't love him. Uh, my my Midwest and West regional go as follows. In the Midwest, I do have UVA as the one, Kentucky as a two. I have K State as a three, and Purdue as a four. I tell you right now, I think Kansas State's the best team of the Big Twelve. Uh, I don't think the Big Twelve is that great. I think there's a lot of parity in the Big Twelve, but there's not a solidified, bona fide team there that's going to make a run uh, to a Final Four. I don't believe. I think Kansas State could get to the Elite Eight uh, like they did last year. Um, but I do not see that team uh, being able to push the envelope and get to a Final Four or a national championship. But I do think they have the pedigree uh, to make a to, to to be the best team in the Big 12 and and end Kansas's 14-year run of of conference uh, conference titles. Uh, I have like I said, I have Purdue at the four, and then in the West Regional, I have Gonzaga, Houston as the two, Michigan State as the three, and Kansas the four. I was a little stuck on Kansas. I know the committee has Kansas as a three. I just don't see it the way that the injuries have plagued them. You, you know, losing Azubuke has killed them. And I think they're still Kansas, but not to the degree of what they usually are. And Bill Self always seems a way to put, always finds a way to put a good product on the floor. But I just don't think uh, they're much of a they're much of a challenger this year. So that kind of wraps up. Our uh, 16 teams uh, compared to the committees. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, post up your, fi- your your top 16 seeds 
uh, on our Twitter handle at, at jocks and locks or send us an email jocks and locks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your 16 seeds, your top 16 and anything else uh, you'd like to talk about. Uh, the last thing we're going to get into before we get into you lock it up is called slinging the pigskin. And we're going to talk a little football today uh, to kind of round out the podcast. Two big new, two, two big uh, things, uh, big breaking news stories came out today. One of which was Kyler Murray declaring that he is indeed going to use uh, all of his everything that he he has in him uh, to become a NFL quarterback. And he's gonna he's gonna bypass playing for the Oakland Athletics as of now, and also the Browns, as I could say, Ryan O and I, our Browns, deciding to sign Kareem Hunt after the uh, domestic violence dispute and him being released from the Kansas City Chiefs. We're gonna Chiefs. We're gonna dive into dive into both of those things first. We're gonna start with Kyler Murray and Ryan O. Did Kyler Murray make the right decision? by choosing football? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. I think he's going to get crushed in the NFL. Um, and people will probably come back and say, Rhino, you were wrong. Um, I think he's too small. Yeah, he's, a, he's an accurate passer, which is important. But I, I think to have a longevity in the NFL, you got to be well-established. And I just see that guy as one of these huge defensive linemen come up. I mean, he's a small dude. And how much wear and tear is he going to take? And how the other thing that I'm, I'm curious to see what happens is, you know, what NFL team is going to sit there and go, I'm going to take a chance on this guy and with knowing in the back of their mind that, you know, after a year or two, he could say, you know what, I'm just going to go back to baseball. You know, and, and try try that out. So having that in the back pocket is it's a big risk. Um, but he's an he's an athletic guy, clearly. Um, and I, I I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he 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 doesn't really do that hot and doesn't have that good of an NFL career. I'm going to completely disagree with you here. Absolutely, 100% disagree with you. I think that Kyler Murray made the absolute right decision to choose football over baseball. And here's a handful of reasons why. I believe that Kyler Murray, first of all, is an outfielder uh, that may or may not make an impact in in the big leagues. We don't know of that. But I sure as hell know one thing. He's not going to have to take long bus trips to Peoria, Illinois, and to uh, Gadsden, Alabama, uh, to play in front of four people, uh, most of which don't have any teeth. And he's going to be able to step into a place where he's going to be viewed as the next franchise quarterback. He's going to be able to get a deal of four years, potentially an addition of a fifth, and he's going to be able to sign and, and get that signing bonus. And let's just say this. If he doesn't pan out in the NFL, if he is too small, guess what? He can go back to baseball. He can give it a run. He can give it a shot. But the fact of the matter is, Kyler Murray has the NFL, and they don't know it yet. Kyler Murray is going to play in the NFL this quarterback class is extremely weak and somebody's going to have to take a chance on him. If you're, if you're a organization that does not have a quarterback, you can't pass on the guy. You have to take him. Now, is he the top, is he the top quarterback on the board? I don't think so. I'm not a, I'm not an NFL scout, but I don't think he is. I think Dwayne Haskins probably still is that guy and he might not even be the second guy on the board. But I guarantee he's the most he's the most he's the most talked about leading up to the combine, and what his actual height is at the combine. But I'll tell you this: Kyler Murray made the absolute right decision today to play NFL 
football. Well, only time will tell if you're right. I love the I love the confidence. Very very valid points. I will give you that. Rather convincing. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. As for the Oakland A's, the A's get back 1.29 of the 1.5 million signing bonus of the first year of the bonus that Kyler Murray was awarded uh, after he signed his contract with the Oakland A's. And he also fortifies 3.16 million that was due to him March 1st. So Murray's rights do stay with the Oakland Athletics, but no compensation pick will be granted to the Oakland A's for them not being able to retain Kyler Murray as a baseball player. So they take a little bit of a hit. They get back everything but $250,000 of that signing bonus of the first year. And so Kyler Murray now is taking his talents to the NFL Combine. And we'll see how uh, he fares. But I think, Kyler, you made the right decision. Uh, Next topic, and we're going to get to Kareem Hunt in just a second, is there was some football on this weekend. I don't know how many of our listeners were able to watch it, but the AAF, uh, the Alliance of America Football, uh, debuted this weekend. And there's eight teams in it across the country. Uh, And I guess the question is, you know, that everybody's kind of been asking is, will this stick? Will Will this league survive and and be... I don't think a rival to the NFL, but I think the premise of it is very, very important to understand. And I think it actually will be something that does stick for the fact that I, I believe it serves as a developmental league for a lot of these players, coaches, and most importantly, referees. What do you think, Rhino? Well, you just nailed it on the head, Dewey. As far as it's sticking, they cannot, they have to have, they have to know what they are they have to know their identity and it a hundred percent is a development league you know there's going to be people that are going to be criticizing them and saying hey you gotta you gotta get big guys in there you gotta get big name guys well we've seen what happens when when leagues try to do other leagues try to do that and and, and go against the nfl it's downhill but if they get on the side of being that minor league developmental league for the NFL, the NFL is going to be on board with that if you get their support. And honestly, America loves football. So we have football on in the spring. I'm going to watch it. And I, I watched a little bit of the games. Um, I'm sure everybody saw that giant hit. Um, that, that would have been a, a you know, three penalties and an, in, uh, and an ejection in the NFL. Um but, you know, if, if it's entertaining like that, you know, I, I don't care. I love watching football. And if it's, again, like I said, they have to understand who they are, what their identity is. And if they try to go out outside of that, they're going to run into some issues. So I think it will stick because I do believe that they understand what their role is in, in the grand scheme of football. Well, I think it's it really is uh, focused on what our, our world has come to now. Uh, it's instant gratification. They want fast things. They want stuff done quickly, efficiently. You know, look at Major League Baseball talking about, you know, using time limit time limits on certain things, you know, uh, a pitching clock and such. So there's no TV timeouts. There's no kickoffs. Uh, there's no extra point kicks. Everybody has to go for two points. Uh, if you want to onside kick, the offense actually of the team that wants to onside kick gets the ball at their own 28 and has to gain 12 yards in one play, and they keep the ball if they do. If they don't, they turn the ball over, and the other team gets the ball, which is kind of interesting. I, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. That is it awesome. Does, absolutely. Uh, they also want to try and keep these games around 150 minutes. So two hours and 20 minutes, get in, get out, get on your way. And also, too, I noticed – they have what they call the Kansas playoff. So instead of, uh, you know, the NFL playoff of where a team, if they don't win the coin toss and a team gets it and stuffs it down their throat and scores. So the Kansas playoff is a team gets the ball at the opponent's 10-yard line. You get four downs and there's no field goals. If you score, the other team gets the ball and does the same thing. 
if they score, it ends in a tie. So I think it's a it's an interesting twist to NFL football. You get some of these bigger names that have fizzled out in the NFL, coaches, and I think we're able to now cultivate and train some of these referees to hopefully make and turn NFL referees better and and bring some of these guys that are that are refing in the AA or the AAF uh, potentially players, coaches, and referees uh, up to the National Football League. So I think it's an interesting thing, um, and I do think it will stick. So last thing we're going to get to, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it doesn't deserve that much time, to be quite honest with you, is Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt today was signed by the Cleveland Browns uh, for a one-year deal. I did not see the monetary value on that. Uh, but to be quite honest with you, uh, in this country, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. There's, there's no doubt about that. Our country is built on that. But uh, this has uh, a little different, uh, a little different uh, wrinkle to it, I should say. Uh, you know, I, I really don't want to see Kareem sign uh, this year. I wanted him to really think about what he did and and uh, serve his serve whatever suspension the NFL decides to give out. Um, and you know, take a little time and let and let the situation kind of breathe and really realize the mistake that he made. Uh, but the Browns and John Dorsey decided to go out and sign him to a one-year deal, and the NFL has not come out yet to to share what the suspension will be for Kareem Hunt going forward. But my take is, uh, I, I saw him signing sometime. Down the, down the line. I didn't think it was going to be this soon, especially being the Cleveland Browns. Kind of hits close to home. And so it's going to take me a while for uh, myself to really get behind Kareem Hunt, even in a Browns uniform. So that's really all I have to say about it. Rhino, do you want to add anything? Um, no, I'm pretty much on board with what you said. I, I still think I still think there's there's a bigger plan here. I mean, you have you have Nick Chubb, who you drafted last year and had a phenomenal rookie year when he started playing. So I'm just a little, you know, is there something more going on, or are they just John Dorsey just seeing a simple buy low kind of deal and, and, and hope for for the best, or is he acquiring an asset, saying buy low, sell high kind of deal? So we'll we'll see what happens though. But I am on board as far as getting getting to a point where you you actually can start supporting him. Yeah, the, the fact of the matter is I don't think you take this much public turmoil and take take this much backlash if you're not going to – if you don't think he's in your long-term plans. I think it's a one-year deal to get his feet wet again. And, and for all the stuff you're going to take on the front end, you might as well keep him on the back end and use his talents because right now the PR for the Cleveland Browns uh, coming into the season – or I'm sorry, coming into, the, into this next season was so positive and – almost a feel-good story, and now we're looking at the Browns in a uh, much different manner. So, you know, do I, like I said, do I agree with second chances? Absolutely, but I didn't think he'd get it this soon. So um, that's kind of that's kind of where I stand on it. So we're going to get to our last segment called You Lock It Up. And we have a few games tonight, as we always like to say. Uh, if you are gambling... Please gamble responsibly. If you are gambling, please gamble responsibly. This is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, a couple of games that we like tonight. Rhino, go ahead and start us off. All right, I've got two NBA games. Real simple. Dallas plus 10 at Houston. I don't think Houston rebounds from that 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 loss that they had on Saturday against OKC, blowing a 22-point lead at the half. Um, Dallas has, has beat Houston every game that they've played this year. Um, I think they're they're re-energized with the trades that have happened, um, and I like Dallas plus ten tonight at Houston. The other one is New York Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, don't know if you're going to actually want to watch this one. Uh, I have the over, which is at two oh eight. Yeah, there's not much to say about those two teams. So, but I'm just going to take the over anyways. Right now, I don't know if I take the over. It was 104, let alone 208. So <laughs> I am off that. I am off that train. Uh, I'm going to dive into the, col- in the college basketball scene. I got three games for you. Kind of w- really what's all that's on tonight, except, uh, you know, Savannah State 
School of Design, which I, I don't know much about. So first one, uh, I think TCU and Baylor. I'm sorry, excuse me, TCU and Kansas. TCU hosts Kansas tonight. TCU played Baylor on Saturday. Uh, TCU and, and Kansas. I like the TCU uh, Horn Frogs to cover uh, the two and a half tonight against Kansas. Kansas is Kansas has been one and six on the road. Uh, not the same team uh, away from away from Lawrence. Uh, I just like TCU to cover that tonight and win by about a half dozen. Uh, second game I really like tonight is the Virginia Cavaliers. They are a dog on the road against North Carolina. I think uh, being pissed off is a real thing, uh, especially getting embarrassed at home by Duke when we said that game wasn't really even close, and it really wasn't. So I think UVA goes on the road. I think Tony Bennett re-energized that team on uh, yesterday, and I think they come down to Tobacco Road and shock the Tar Heels tonight. So I'll take the one point and run. And the last game is... Who was the last game, Rhino? I had it on my sheet. Um, was it... Did you talk about uh, TCU, Kansas? Yeah, I did. There was one other one. Oh, it was the uh, the Oklahoma. There we go. Thank you very much. Back on yeah, the Baylor right. Bears again. Back on the Baylor Bears again. Uh, they're going to bounce back. I know I've been... I've been barking up that tree the last two podcasts or the last two episodes on our podcast and I'm going to go back to the well again so don't burn me don't burn me Baylor I got Baylor minus three and a half they host Oklahoma I just think Oklahoma is very pedestrian I think Baylor's a little bit better they play at home they're going to be uh, frustrated they dropped that game to Kansas State on Saturday and I think Baylor rebounds tonight and wins by about a half a dozen as well so without further ado We thank you guys for tuning in to our Monday night podcast. We'll be back on the air Friday. uh, Talk a little baseball. Talk about the overs and unders uh, for each team in the big leagues this coming season. Uh, Talk a little golf as well. And maybe drop in a little NASCAR. Rhino's got a little trick up his sleeve for Friday. So we thank you guys again for joining in. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Have a good night.